All discussion during the Invest Wisely program is intended for informational and educational purposes. It is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. We do not offer tax, accounting, or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor before making any decision that could affect your tax or legal situation. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. And welcome once again to Invest Wisely. The expert is Walt Sokera of the AKW Group. He's the managing partner there. The AKW Group has offices here on West Market Street in Fairlawn, and also an offices in Washington, Pennsylvania, uh, in the western PA area around Pittsburgh. Sue Marshall is head of that office. In the next half hour, we're going to talk about investing, how the AKW Group invests their clients' money in portfolios of individually owned stocks. It'll take questions from you about stocks in the stock market at 330-673-1234. And outside of Akron and from Washington, Pennsylvania, listening online, it's toll-free for you, 800-669-4100. Well, Walt, uh, once again, we're the holiday period, a couple of uh, trade shortened weeks, and uh, while the markets went up just a bit last week, they didn't seem to react much to what was going on in the news. Hey, Bob, the uh, markets did consolidate a little bit near their record highs as we uh, all waited for Santa Claus to to show up uh, here at the end of the week and uh, have that holiday season. Uh, we saw the Dow Jones for the week up 0.1%, um, and again, we're at 30,199.87. Uh, year-to-date up 5.8%. Uh, the S&P 500 index was off 0.2%. And again, for the year, we're at about 14.62%. Uh, the NASDAQ was up 0.4%. And again, those NASDAQ returns uh, year-to-date at 42.7%. And the Russell 2000 uh, for the week uh, was up 1.7%, and again, over 20% now, Bob. And that, that indices, you know, the Russell 2000 was uh, quite underwater there for a while. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, it's been, a, it's just been a year where we've seen an amazing comeback. You know, if we just rewind a little bit and think back to March 23rd, uh, the market had sold off 34%. Um, everybody was, you know, worried and in a little bit of a panic, not understanding uh, you know, what this virus meant and what it meant to the economy. Um, and since then, we've seen a 65% increase uh, in the S&P 500 index from that from that low. So down 34%, you know, in March, and then up 65% as, as we headed in uh, to the close of, of the Christmas week here. Uh, overall, there were some positives last week. Um, I think some of the positives are, you know, we're moving probably closer to uh, another stimulus package. Um, We've seen, uh, you know, a lot of talk from the Fed as far as their accommodative nature. And, again, the scenario of an improving economy and uh, the fact that the vaccines are getting out and uh, this virus might be under control as we head into 2021 continues to be, I think, the long narrative uh, that people are looking at. So, uh, overall, Bob, you know, we're we're feeling pretty good. And it's been, uh, even though a very challenging year from a, 
you know, maybe a health perspective or a personal perspective was a very rewarding year from an investing investment perspective for those that stayed invested uh, in 2020. Now, there's no doubt in anybody's mind that uh, the big story of 2020 is going to be the pandemic, the coronavirus-19 pandemic. Uh, we already mentioned the impact it had beginning in March on the economy and how it's continued to be a major factor all the way through the end of this year and undoubtedly through most of uh, 2021. At this point, uh, what is the response from the markets and how the how the whole world, not just the United States, but the whole world is uh, reacting and dealing with the COVID-19, dealing with getting vaccinations out there? What, you know, what, what seems to be happening that uh, could affect the market? Well, I think, Bob, you know, the, the markets are still focused on the news. And, you know, we saw early in the week, you know, a little bit of news that came out there. There might be a new strain of the virus, and the markets quickly sold off a little bit during that news. Uh, and then it was later reported that, you know, there, the vaccines that are being developed should still, you know, help uh, with, with that strain of the virus. And, and then the markets seem to settle down a little bit. So I think the markets are very sensitive. Um, you know, again, as we said, as, as we've developed therapeutics and now the vaccine and it's starting to go out, um, that seems to be pretty positive overall, the way the markets and, and the world is reacting. Um, you know, the U.S. government uh, made a deal with Pfizer and, and BioNTech um, again last week for another 100 million more doses of their vaccine. Um, so, again, you know, we, we see the vaccine getting out. We see the commitment to the vaccine. We see some, you know, pretty high-ranking officials and, you know, people getting the vaccine. I think people's confidence is definitely starting to uh, to rise uh, and as we said, that plays well into the narratives that we're hoping for, which is that this economy will continue to recover. And as the economy recovers, employment should be strong. Uh, there's probably a lot of built-up demand. You know, people have been locked up for a long time. So, you know, people want to get back out and probably live again. And, and maybe we go back to some normalcy, and that should be good for a lot of companies, a lot of industries, a lot of sectors. And, and again, you know, a, a good thought process as we move into 2021. Now, the second biggest story of the year, of course, is the election cycle, the fall election, the even election cycle that continues into the early 2021. And uh, the other big deal right now in the news, as you mentioned, was the was the fiscal relief package that uh, seems to be stalled now uh, at the president's desk anyway. Uh, what would the market like to see happen? For, for example, would they like to see everybody getting two grand apiece rather than $600? <laughs> I think everybody would like to see a package, you know, completed. I think the the Fed has been very, very, um, you, you know, the rhetoric has been strong that there needs to be more fiscal support. I think everybody knows that uh, there's a lot of people struggling out there still on a on an individual level, on a small business level. Um, so again, this is one of those risks that we see. You know, I think. Um, you know, President Trump obviously is using the rhetoric to say that, you know, the, the check should be higher. Uh, the problem with that, Bob, is it might play a little bit into the election that's coming up here in, in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure the Democrats are going to use that uh, very strongly in their campaigning down in Georgia. So there might be some unintended consequences to, you know, that type of action. I'm sure he's doing it in a little bit of spite, but, you know, I'm sure his message is, is well intended that there should be more support for the average American. But, uh, uh, and there was a lot of, you know, pork in the bill, a lot of, you know, things that were in there that, again, politicians seem to stick into these bills that have nothing to do uh, with, with the, uh, you know, the shutdowns and the virus and the things that we're facing as a country. But that's just politics. Uh, it's been going on for a long time, and it probably won't stop anytime soon. 
As you mentioned, the uh, second phase of the fall election are the runoffs in Georgia for Senate, and they're important because uh, potentially uh, the balance of power in the Senate could be altered if uh, both Democrats win those two open seats. Now, that uh, what was it, is a concern to the market in what way? Why, would they be concerned one way or the other, or would they rather see a certain outcome? I think it just could be a shock a little bit to the market, Bob. Um, I think, again, we talked about the politics and uh, the fact at the end of the day, politics probably don't matter as much as we make them out to be to the markets. Um, uh, you know, we've talked about the different, uh, you know, returns, even in a completely Democratic uh uh, blue wave type of situation. So I think we get past all that. But I think the market has built in the thought process that uh, there will be a split in, in the control of the Senate and the House, uh, that there'll be some checks and balances, maybe for some of the more liberal agendas. And one of the agendas is the rise in taxes. And, you know, any type of rise in taxes is definitely going to take away some of the stimulant effect of, of the economy. Um, so, again, I think there could be a little bit of shock and a little bit of sell-off if by chance uh, the Senate flips over to uh, a Democratic uh, control. Another bit of news last week that uh, was simply talked about all year is uh, laws that guard uh, web sites, web publishers, from liability over third-party content. Um, people are upset about that, and they feel that there should be more, uh, uh, le- I guess, less protection for these giant spaces like Facebook and, and Google from this kind of a, of a responsibility. Would, what would that be as far as like stocks like Amazon or Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter? Would that uh, change of that law affect the value of those stocks? I think so, Bob. You know, Section 230 is, uh, you know, it's 26 words um, that have really protected and, and really have been given credit for the the rise of the Internet. Um, the, the 26 words are, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as a publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information uh, content provider. And it provided liable protection for a lot of these big tech companies. And these big tech companies have gotten very strong and, and you know, very, uh, very powerful. And, uh, you know, I think this year, uh, there's been a lot of criticisms in the ha- way that they handled information. Um, you know, the fact that they did, in essence, start uh, fact-checking and, and maybe even censoring some of the information has really brought some scrutiny on themselves. You know, if they, if they have the Section 230 protection um, and they're just social media, you know, ways for people to share information, then why are you all of a sudden starting to, um, you know, censor and fact-check information? So I think they brought this on themselves a little bit. Um, I think both Democrats and, and the Republicans are very, very upset about uh, big tech and the power that they have, and I think there is probably going to be a hard look at the Section 230 provisions. So this plays into the narrative that big tech has gotten big, strong, powerful, and um, regulators are definitely getting concerned and wanting to you know, poke around and see if there, some regulations need to put in place. And uh, this could definitely affect the Internet. It could definitely affect the way these social media platforms run. And, and in essence, it could affect their profitability. So it's something that we definitely have to pay attention to and think about. Um, you know, as investors in a lot of these companies, if you own Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, Microsoft, Alphabet, Google, I mean, all these companies would be impacted uh, quite significantly, as well as a, a second-tier companies, uh, companies like Etsy, Pinterest, Snapchat. I mean, all they could there could be um, unintended consequences from a change in this provision. So something we definitely have to pay attention to, uh, you know, as these regulations are continue to talk about. 
Our expert is Walt Sakira, the managing partner of Akron's AKW Group. They're talking about stocks and the stock market. If you have any questions for Walt, give us a call, 330-673-1234. And outside of Akron and including in uh, Pennsylvania, listening online there at Washington, Pittsburgh area, it's a whole toll free for you, 800 669 You've often talked about keeping an independent thought when you look at uh, investing and, and uh, even the news items that are coming out. Uh, there, I guess uh, some uh, economists have kind of taken up that idea and they're developing a new index that they call the NSI, the News Sentiment Index. What, what is this index and what does it tell us? Yeah, there's some economists that started to look at the impact of, of news, um, and, and it might be a leading indicator, and, and they've done a lot of research on this index, uh, basically looking at the, the sentiment um, of news items in general, if they're negative, positive, and how they're shaping uh sentiment from businesses, from consumers. It's a very interesting index. Um, and Bob, I, I think there's just so many things that we look at today that, you know, we wouldn't have considered because of the collection of information. Um, you know, we've talked about looking at things like, you know, data coming from open table as far as res- uh, res- restaurants reservations. We've talked about um, TSI information that will give us more impact on airline travel, uh, credit card data, which shows us a lot about consumer spending. So uh, indexes that we used to use, metrics that we used to use uh, economically, you know, 10, 15 years ago, a lot of those are changed, and there's new information coming out every day that we have to pay attention to. So all of these metrics help give us a dashboard. Um, you know, to kind of keep track of what's happening. None of it gives us a perfect view of what will happen. Uh, nobody has that. But again, the more information that you have, the more that you understand it, and the more that you make it actionable so you can make decisions is really, really key. And, you know, every piece of data we look at, we try to think about it. How actionable is that for us? What does it mean? How does it drive us to making a purchase, a sale, um, you know, a decision to hold, uh, a given investment? So, uh, we can inundate ourselves with information, but the key is knowing how to use it, and that's the, really the challenge for investors out there. You know, keep data and, and listen to data that helps you make decisions that are important uh, for your investment portfolios. Hey, it's time now for Stock Talk with Walt Sequeira of the AKW Group, taking your calls at 330-673-1234. Good morning. You're on WNIR. Good. Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, Alibaba, that went down <laughs> significantly uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, what what do you guys think about Alibaba? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, Alibaba, I think this is a company that shows um, political risk exists, um, you know, and, and I think when you have a Chinese stock, this is something that uh, people obviously ask about me all the time. Is number one, the accounting data. Number two, what if the government decides to do something? And in China, the, the government has a lot more power, and, and, you know, what they do really can impact a company. Um, I think Alibaba, the attack is a little bit on Alibaba, but it's also a little bit on Jack. Jack Ma, uh, who is the founder, he was very critical of Xi Jinping. Um, so when you're critical of a Chinese leader, uh, you know, you should expect some kind of backlash. And I think that's what's happening right now with the uh, anti-monopoly investigation and the delay of the anti-IPO and the fact that this company might get beat up a little bit, you know, politically uh, from the Chinese government. So we saw that last week. The stock sold off significantly, as you said. Um, you know, right before Christmas, that wasn't a very nice Christmas present. Um, you know, the stock sold off, I think, what, $34, about 13%, uh, trading at 222 
uh, we are still, you know, we look at the company, the model, the, the depth. Um, we talked about the Chinese national pride in Alibaba. Um, I think this is probably a short-term buying opportunity. Um, unless there's significant um, regulations that come down and they break this company up or, or something significant happens, uh, this probably creates a pretty good buying opportunity for Alibaba. Uh, we still own the shares. We're not panicking at this point, but we're definitely going to watch the news that you uh, you point to. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your call on WNIOP. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello, it's your turn. Good morning. How are you guys today? Okay. Doing good. Good. Sitting here with my Lucky Browns sweater on and hoping that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both got really good night's sleep. <laughs> we do, too. They're going to be very busy. Anyway, uh, the point I wanted to ask about is uh, I recently heard that uh, Callaway Golf acquired um, Top Golf, the stadium uh, golf company, for $2 billion. Is that a lot of money for uh, for an acquisition for a company like Callaway that really is only selling at twenty four thirty eight? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know that that is a significant acquisition. Um, it's it's more of a merger of equals uh, between Callaway and Topgolf, um, but a very synergistic uh, type of uh, merger. Again, Callaway has always been a leader in golf equipment. Um, you know they have the Big Bertha line and a lot of really high tech uh, golf uh, equipment, uh, clubs, golf balls, and so forth. And then Topgolf, as you mentioned, are these very uh, large. Uh, uh, you know, places where people go to practice golf, and they're very interactive and very entertaining. Um, uh, there's one up in Cleveland now, off of Independence. Um, you know, very, very, uh, very cool place to go if you're a golfer. And uh, you know, a lot of growth. Uh, they, they've had significant growth in this platform, over a 30% compounded annual rate of return um, in their growth rate. Um, you know, in, in Top Golf. So we like the merger. Uh, there's a lot of synergies here, and um, you know, golf is one of the sports that wasn't quite as impacted as much by the coronavirus, and uh, a sport that showed a little bit of growth potential last year. Uh, Callaway is coming off a really good quarter at the end of September, and, and we like this merger. It's uh, it definitely has given a little bit of life uh, to the story and, and a stock we're taking a look at. Well, that's true. I, I do know that golf has not been in fact, uh, impacted by the uh, pandemic, um, just like uh, home fitness has not been impacted. So if you think there's room for growth, then maybe it's a good good place to look for an investment. Yeah, definitely. One we're taking a look at for our small mid-cap portfolio at the current time. Okay. Well, thank you guys very much. Have a great day. Thank you, and have a happy new year to you, too. 330-673-1234 for Stock Talk with Walt Sakara of Akron's AKW Group. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, yeah. I'm wondering with the pandemic and everybody being home, do you think the trends for the gaming industry are pretty strong? And uh, more specifically, the uh, Activision Blizzard stock, symbol ATVI. Yeah, really good question. Yeah, the gaming market has been very, very strong with the pandemic, as everybody would expect. Um, we see those trends continuing. Um, you know, gaming is a pretty addictive, uh, you know, type of activity. So people that are gamers, you know, even if the pandemic goes away, we don't see those trends really tapering off uh, in 2021. Uh, and you mentioned Activision Blizzard, which obviously they have some really uh, big names out there, Call of Duty, World War, World of Warcraft, or some of their brands. Um, this this company's definitely done very well. Um, you look at the last two quarters, uh, 
Revenue was up 52% uh, this last quarter, 132% gain in earnings. Uh, the quarter before, they were up 30% in revenue and 53% in earnings. Uh, so, again, a company that's hit on all cylinders. Now, the stock has performed well. It's trading near a high at 90. Um, but a lot of the analysts I'm looking at uh, say there's some upside uh, you know, above the $90 price range. Definitely a stock worth paying attention to. Thank you. Thank you for calling WNIR Stock Talk with Walt Sakara, 330-673-1234. Now, Walt, recently you have purchased uh, another stock for your Empowering Women portfolio. In fact, you did purchase two of them, PayPal, which I think everybody's familiar with, and a company called Square, symbol SQ. Uh, I guess they are similar companies, and they're maybe going head-to-head in the next year. What, what, why did you uh, put, put both of those in your portfolio? Yeah, but we like both these companies. We just couldn't decide which one we like best, and we think we're, they're both winners. Um, these companies, what's really interesting about them is they, they're really developing this digital wallet um, platform. Um, PayPal owns Venmo. Uh, Square has Cash App. And anybody, you know, that understands these, they were kind of started as a person-to-person money transfer services. Uh, but they really have evolved these whole uh, these offerings. And now... Uh, they're digital alternatives to traditional banks. Um, you can deposit your checks. Uh, you know, they're actually uh, taking payments now. They let shoppers get discounts. Um, you can also buy cryptocurrencies uh, with both of these digital wallets. Um, there's tremendous growth opportunities in both of these. Venmo has 65 million users. Uh, Cash App, uh, which again is owned by Square, has about 30 million uh, users. Uh, so again, PayPal and Square are, are both positioned very well in this new digital world, um, this world of digital payments, and a world where you know cash is starting to really become less significant. And uh, you know, for years we've talked about a cashless society, and these are two companies that will definitely drive uh, the innovation towards maybe seeing that in the future. Again, we're talking to Walt Secure of the AKW Group in Akron and also in East Washington, Pennsylvania. Uh, let's uh, talk about another big tech uh, story last week. Apple says that they are considering producing a self-driving electric car by 2024. What do you think that means for Apple and uh, the whole electric car industry? Well, it just shows you that when there's a $2 trillion market out there, it's going to gain a lot of attention. And, um, you know, Apple, uh, this is a news item. Um, Apple did not confirm uh, this, but, I mean, this is a news item, the circling. And when, when the news items hit the, you know, wires like Reuters, so there's probably a little bit of truth behind them at times. Um, you know, so this whole thought of an iCar, um, the fact that they're looking at a driverless car, um, autonomous, um, you know, with improved battery technology. Uh, there's a lot of thought that uh, Apple has battery technology that will provide longer range and lower cost than even the existing Tesla batteries. Uh, we saw, you know, uh, Apple stock jump up on this news. I mean, it, it went up, the, the value of the company went up $145 billion. Uh, from the low Monday to the high on Tuesday. Now, if you think of a $145 billion increase, Bob, I mean, that's more than the market cap of Ford, General Motors, Fiat, Chrysler uh, combined. Uh, so, again, you know, it's, it's interesting how a little news item like this can really spur, but it shows that, you know, when you have a, a significant industry, uh, again, a $2 trillion industry, this is something where, you know, for Apple to, to continue its growth, to continue its, uh, you know, it needs, it needs big markets. It needs places where there's a lot of uh, p- potential. 
uh, you know, when we talk about this, we talk about the amount of time that people spend in cars. I saw a study that it says, you, you know, humanity spends over 600 billion hours of time inside their automobiles annually. Uh, that's 68 million years in one year of, of humanity in cars. And when you think about the amount of time spent in cars, um, you know, anytime you can create more connectivity, uh, use technology to improve the experience uh, and, and, you know, bring value uh, to end customers, you, you definitely can, you know, probably make some money in that market. So uh, it's not hard to believe that Apple would consider this market and, you know, look at it as a long-term driver for their business. Now, when you talk about markets, too, you often think about uh, sectors and industries. Uh, what's the contrast between those two? And do you use a sector and industry analyses as a way to purchase the stocks in your portfolios? Yeah, sectors are broader, Bob. I mean, we talk about sectors like healthcare, financial, technology, communications. You know, so sectors are broader. Industries drive a little bit, you know, more specific. For instance, technology industries would be software, hardware, um, you know, the internet companies. So, so again, uh, industries are another uh, drill down. You know, another level down. Um, there's a lot of belief that, you know, focusing on sector analysis or industry analysis is a good way to start. Uh, we are more bottom-up in our approach. Um, again, we use a little bit of top-down analysis, so we do a little bit of economic and sector and industry analysis, but we spend more time looking at underlying companies uh, on their own merits, on their own business models, on their own value propositions. Again, we talk about being financially powerful and attractively priced. Uh, so we spend much more time in our discipline looking from the bottom up than we do the top down. But sometimes there is value uh, to look at, a, at an industry from a, or a sector from a top-down perspective because, uh, you know, the way trends play out, this is a year um, where that probably makes some sense because there are some sectors and industries that have outperformed and there's some that have underperformed. So if you're looking for valuation, you might be looking at some of those underperforming uh, you know, industries at this point, maybe to place some dollars as we head into 2021. A reminder, of course, the AKW Group is affiliated with the Robert W. Baird Company. They can provide all sorts of help for you in estate planning, retirement planning, reviews, a, a conversion planning, analyses, and more. So when you call them in Akron at 234-466-7476 or in Washington, Pennsylvania at 412-480-5090, they can offer you a lot more than just investing your money uh, the best way they can for you. Well, uh, well as we get into 2021, uh, at this point, we've had a great year in 2020 for the market. A lot of people are saying, well, 2021 will be the year it, it uh, readjusts itself. As an investor, how much money should an individual person at this point have in the stock market as the 2021 begins? Well, Bob, you know, it's really a personal choice. Um, but it's interesting, you know, with bonds being where they're at and the risk that you have in bonds. Um, you know, I, I read something years ago by Nick Murray, who uh, he's actually a consultant for a lot of financial advisors, and his belief, and this is Nick Murray's belief, that people should have as much in stocks as they possibly can. Um, now, I won't go that far. I mean, industry practices tell us and best practices that, you know, people need to have their own risk return objective, and they need to think about that and rebalance that at times. Um, but I think stocks are still very powerful. A well-selected stock portfolio to me is still uh, very, very important for an inv individual investor in the long run. And again, remember, it's not a stock market. It's a market of stocks. So if you have the right discipline, if you use independence of thought, financial discipline, realistic expectations, and common sense, 
you can still build a portfolio that makes some sense. Even after a run-up like we've seen in 2020, we'd still tell people there's an opportunity out there if you have the right discipline and process to continue to manage a stock portfolio. And I think it's important for returns and for investors for the long haul. So, Walt Securit, now that we're ending the very last uh, days of 2020, what do you see happening in, uh, once again, this holiday-shortened week coming up? Well, it's going to be a short week, Bob, and we'll get ready for the new year. I think a lot of people are ready to turn the calendar. Uh, there'll be some economic data. Uh, no real company reports this week. You know, we'll close out the year, and then we'll get ready for the next series of earnings reports. Um, so, again, today I think the day, like uh, the caller said earlier, it's root for the Browns. I know they've been hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. I heard they have no wide receivers today, uh, so it should be a fun day. So let's uh, see if we can bring a hometown victory home. And um, for those listeners out in Pittsburgh, we're, we're not going to say what we hope for them, but uh, <laughs> I guess we got a little bit of rivalry there. So Once again, Walt Sakura, the AKW Group. Group in Akron at 3560 West Market Street. Call them here at 234-466-7476 or in Washington, Pennsylvania. Uh, call Sue Marshall at the office there at 412-480-5090. Tell him you heard him on WNIR, Kent Akron. Walt, you and your family, very happy new year. We'll talk to you next week. During today's broadcast, the following individual stocks were mentioned and discussed. Apple Inc., symbol AAPL. Activision Blizzard Inc., symbol ATVI. Alibaba Group Holding Limited, symbol BABA. Amazon.com, symbol AMZN. The Callaway Golf Company, symbol ELY. Etsy Inc., symbol ETSY. Facebook Inc., symbol FB. Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, symbol FCAU. General Motors, symbol GM. Alphabet Inc., symbol GOOGL. Microsoft Corporation, symbol MSFT. PayPal Holdings, Inc., symbol PYPL. Pinterest, Inc., symbol PINS. Snapchat, Inc., symbol SNAP. Square, Inc., symbol SQ. Twitter, Inc., symbol TWTR. Please note that Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated makes a market in all of the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast. In addition, Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated and or its affiliates have managed or co-managed a public offering of Alibaba Group Holding Limited in the past 12 months. In addition, Robert W. Baird and Company Incorporated and or its affiliates have received investment banking compensation from Alibaba Group Holding Limited in the past 12 months.